As some Orioles fans out there want to declare the season over and jump ship after a four-game losing streak, the Orioles players themselves, they stay the course. They've done it time and time again, and they did it on Sunday, avoiding the sweep with a 2-1 to win over the Minnesota Twins. I'll recap that, plus talk about some struggles from the weekend and the roster moves the Orioles made coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles. Your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, July 3rd, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles series loss to the Minnesota Twins as they drop two of three at home to Minnesota, but were able to sneak out of there with the Sunday win with a comeback to avoid the sweep once again this year. I'll get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 2-1 to win on Sunday, including a really good outing from the bullpen and a great comeback in the eighth inning, but a couple of injury concerns for the Orioles. Then we'll talk a bit about the offensive struggles from the weekend as a whole, specifically about a couple of guys, Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn, who have kind of been leading this offense for a while. And while their mini slumps may have taken the Orioles into that same direction. And then finally, talk about the roster moves the Orioles made this weekend. Nick Vespi and Chris Valamont have joined the bullpen. Maybe they are the answers to the Orioles' middle relief problems. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by downloading the free Ibotta app and using code MLB. So let's jump into things from the weekend. Orioles, they do lose two of three, losing back-to-back series on this homestand. They end up going four and five on this nine-game homestand against the Mariners, the Reds, and the Minnesota Twins. They lose on Friday in kind of rough fashion. They wore the City Connects once again, and they got run off the field in the City Connects once again. Dean Kramer was not good. You could argue his worst start of the season. He allowed seven runs in three innings. And the O's just didn't hit much at all. They lost 8-1 to on Friday. On Saturday, a much cleaner game for Orioles pitching. Kyle Bradish was great. Six innings, one run, and seven strikeouts. The bullpen allowed only one base runner in three scoreless innings. But the Orioles offense did absolutely nothing. They went without an extra base hit. They only had three hits. And they didn't get a runner into scoring position until the ninth inning of Saturday's game and lost one to nothing. Sunday's game looked like it was heading that way as well. Trailing 1-0 late, but the Orioles came back to win it 2-1 on Sunday to salvage Game 3. And once again, the Orioles have still not been swept yet this season. They still have not been swept since they called up Adley Rutschman. And they snap what was their longest losing streak of the year. Four games in a row. They snapped that with a win on Sunday to get to 49-33 and on the season. And I'm going to start with the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 2-1 victory over the Twins on Sunday to avoid the sweep and finish out the series. And the first thing you need to know is, well, it took them long enough, but finally, the Orioles put together a rally with their bats on Sunday afternoon. It certainly took a while. Up until the 8th inning Sunday, the Orioles entered the bottom of the 8th, trailing 1-0. The O's had just one run 
in their previous 27 innings heading into that eighth inning on Sunday. They didn't score in the final two innings of the extra inning loss to the Reds on Wednesday. Then they scored just one run on Friday on Adley Rutschman's solo home run in the sixth inning. They were shut out on Saturday and were shut out through the first seven innings on Sunday. But they got the rally going. And it started with another Adley Rutschman infield single. He's got eight of them now in the year. That's second on the team. Beats one out at first base to get a runner on with one out. And then what Brandon Hyde called after the game, the Orioles at bat of the year. Anthony Santander fights and fights, fouling off pitches, taking close pitches. And with Adley Rutschman going on three and two, lines a ball into right center field for a base hit. Rutschman goes to third. And then Aaron Hicks, who's been struggling a little lately. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Runs the count two and two and bloops a single in to tie the game at one. But they were not done. After a Mullins ground out and a Ryan O'Hearn walk, Jordan Westberg came up to the plate and was hit by a pitch to give the Orioles a 2-1 win or 2-1 lead. And, hey, that is, uh, that's what they needed. After no extra base hits on Saturday, not many on Sunday. They had a Ramon Arias double in the fifth inning, but uh, that was about it. They found a way to come back and win that game. And it was nice to see a rally because you saw on Friday night they had a couple of rallies they were trying to start. You know, they got a runner on in the first. They loaded the bases in the second but left them loaded. And then since then, it was really nothing, no life from the offense at all. Nice to see that kind of move the other way in the eighth inning to get the win on Sunday. Second thing you need to know from this one, kind of on the negative side, couple of injury concerns coming out of Sunday's game for the Orioles. The first one is with Austin Hayes, who, you know, as I'm recording here about 3 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, they have not announced the All-Star teams yet. I will discuss who the Orioles All-Stars are actually coming up on Tuesday's episode. But Austin Hayes kind of right on the bubble of the All-Star roster right now. Could be maybe the final AL outfielder if he's lucky, hitting 312 on the season. But he grounded out in the second inning and just had a weird collision. Hit a ground ball to third. And, you know, Jose Miranda was over there. He made a terrible throw over to first base. And there was just a really weird play at first where... You know, Donovan Solano kind of had to come off the bag to catch it. And then when he came down to tag Hayes, he was in the air. So he just kind of grabbed onto Hayes, slammed into him, and then kind of pulled him down to the ground. It was a really, really odd play. And Austin Hayes did leave the game. Aaron Hicks replaced him. Luckily, Brandon Hyde said after the game that Hayes will get some more testing. But they said he's just day-to-day with a hip contusion. I would tell you that probably means Hayes won't play today here on Monday. And maybe not Tuesday because of the day game. But I would hope that by Wednesday night in New York, Austin Hayes back in the lineup, and hopefully he'll be an all-star by then as well. Clearly, you know, he's been healthy most of the year. That's been the reason why he's been so good, struggled with so many different kind of little cuts and bruises and injuries over the past few years. Hopefully this is not a lingering thing and just keeps him out for a couple of days. And then on the play that gave the Orioles the lead on the winning run, there was some concern about Jordan Westberg. He was hit on the wrist by a 101-mile-per-hour fastball from Juan Duran with the bases loaded and two down that gave the O's that 2-1 to lead in the eighth inning. 101 off the wrist doesn't feel good. Now, Westberg did stay in to run, and then he also stayed in and played defense at second base in the ninth inning. Not that he was needed out there when Felix struck out the side, but it was good to see him stay in the game. However, Hyde did say that Westberg will be getting x-rays on the wrist after the game, so we'll probably know more by later today what's going on with with Westberg's wrist. Hopefully he's okay. If there's worst-case scenario and both of these guys would have to go on the injured list for some reason, the one lucky part for the O's is 
they have pretty easy top prospect replacements, right? Like Joey Ortiz would come right back up to replace Jordan Westberg. And I can honestly say, I think we would see Colton Kowser come up and replace Hayes if that ended up being what happened to him and he did have to miss some time. Third thing you need to know from this one as we move over the pitching side for the Orioles, Cole Irvin, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't dominant, but it helped the Orioles win his start on Sunday. Irvin goes five innings in this one, allowing just one run on six hits. He only struck out one, he walked three, he threw 82 pitches, the Twins certainly barreled him up. They had nine hard hit balls against him in five innings. But guess what? He gave up that two-out RBI double in the fifth inning. That was the only run he allowed. He left the bases loaded in the first thanks to an amazing defensive play by Cedric Mullins in center field to save extra bases and probably a couple of runs. But otherwise, you know, it, it wasn't anything special from Cole Irvin. Like, you watch the start with your eyes, and you're still concerned. Like, he only got five whiffs on 34 swings. He wasn't missing any bats at all. He was heavy on the cutter, which wasn't exactly an amazing pitch for him on the day. He just kept throwing it. And yet, he was effective enough. Now, a Twins lineup that has struggled throughout the season was helpful. I still don't feel confident about him continuing in the rotation. But he gave the O's a chance, and that is much better than he was doing early in the season before he got demoted to AAA. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that the Orioles' middle relief, maybe they've solved that problem a little bit. Because this weekend, and specifically on Sunday, those middle relievers looked really, really good. After Irvin came out of the game with the O's trying to keep it at one nothing. Brian Baker came in and had one of his best outings of the season. Baker goes six up, six down with a strikeout in two scoreless innings, just rolling his way through the Twins lineup. I was really impressed with how Baker looked in this one. It was a lot of fastballs, 17 of 27 pitches with that four-seam fastball. He only missed one bat. He only got one whiff, but he was in the strike zone so much that it really didn't matter as much. This is what the Orioles need from Brian Baker. That was such a huge outing for them. And then it was followed up by CNL Perez, who threw a 1 2 3 eighth inning with a strikeout. That followed up a scoreless inning Perez had on Friday night as well. He's starting to pitch the ball and throw it a little bit better, which is really, really nice for the Orioles. And it kind of continued a trend of the bullpen, but honestly, the middle relievers specifically having an amazing weekend. So I'm counting the middle relievers as the non long relief kind of up-down guys, so not Bruce Zimmerman, not Chris Valamont, any of those guys, and I'm not counting Cano or Bautista in middle relief, but everybody else who pitched out of the bullpen in the three-game series this weekend combined for nine scoreless innings on just four hits with nine strikeouts and one walk, and specifically, the bullpen as a whole did not allow a hit in seven innings of work between Saturday and Sunday's games. That is pretty impressive what the Orioles bullpen did with all the questions about their middle relievers. Those guys stepped up this weekend and they got it to the back end. And finally, they got it to the back end with a lead on Sunday. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles 2-1 win on Sunday is that Felix Bautista somehow keeps getting better. After the O's get the two in the eighth to take the lead, Bautista comes out there with a 2-1 lead and easy work. One, two, three, strikes out the side of the Twins order in the ninth inning, throwing just 14 pitches to do it. I mean, he was absolutely outstanding. He lost a couple of splitters, didn't have a great feel for it. 
yet still got one of his strikeouts with the pitch. Just a nasty one for his second out to Edouard Julien. He's just fun to watch. I mean, he's going to be an all-star. It's. I hope he's going to close out the all-star game. He's been the best reliever in the American League. He's somehow getting better, and he picks up save number 22 to stop the Orioles' four-game losing streak and once again avoid a sweep on the season and get them to 49 wins. But of course, despite the weekend ending on a positive note with the victory, the O's did lose this series, and that was back-to-back series losses to teams that I think they're better than, the Reds and the Twins, on a homestand this week. And as we can kind of figure out, the reason the O's lost this series was the offense. Even with the rally on Sunday, they scored three runs in three games. That's not going to win you a lot of series. Now, normally you would say, well, is Adley Rutschman and Santander and Henderson and Mullins not picking up the slack? Well, that was some of it. But I think more of it was these fill-in guys who have been so good. Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn kind of starting to turn in the other direction. So coming up next, we'll talk about kind of the mini slumps from both of these guys and what they can do to turn it around and what the O's may need to do to kind of ride this ship out and continue to have one of the better offenses in baseball. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by Ibotta. Now, if you're looking for a 4th of July cookout and you're picking up burgers and hot dogs for that barbecue, you know you're already doing it. So why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It is that easy. The average user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. I know it would for me. Or you can use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you have been craving. And you earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Abada, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and many many more. And it's right there on the Abata app. So right now, Abata is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Abata by using the code MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Abata app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. So despite a 2-1 win on Sunday to avoid the sweep, the Orioles did lose 2 out of 3 to the Minnesota Twins this weekend and dropped another series. Now, the overall record still looking good, 49-33. I'll take that as we approach the All-Star break. Hit the exact halfway point of the season this weekend. They've now played 82 games on the season. I like where they're at after 82 games, 16 games above 500, and holding pretty solidly at this point the number one wildcard spot in the American League. But there have been some struggles recently, like they had lost four in a row before winning Sunday's game. And the offense this weekend was putrid. It was bad. It was horrible. And I love that they rallied in the eighth Sunday to win. They've done that so many times this year. They've been beaten down. They're about to start a long losing streak. Boom. Big comeback late. They've done it plenty of times. I trust them to do it. But when you still look at the big picture, they scored three runs in three games. You had the Rutschman solo shot in the sixth on Friday. That was it. You had nothing on Saturday. And you had the two runs in the eighth on Sunday, the Hicks RBI single and the Westberg RBI hit by pitch. Now, what's interesting is this little offensive slump, and 
this offense hasn't been slumping for that long. I mean, if you remember, in two of the three games against the Reds, they scored 10 runs in the win Monday. They scored seven runs in the loss Wednesday. It's not like the offense has been looking like this for weeks and weeks or anything, despite what some people might, for some reason, want to tell you. However, it's been interesting to see recently that Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn, who were both amazing in the month of June for the Orioles, have slowed down a little bit. And that has kind of coincided right here with a little offensive slump for the Orioles as a whole. Now, it is a little worrying that were these guys the catalysts of the offense for a while? I could have told you this a million times at the beginning of the season. You wouldn't believe me that Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn would be the Orioles' second and third best hitters in the month of June. Each of them had a 140 WRC plus in June. The only hitter better for the Orioles was Gunnar Henderson. They were amazing. Hicks filling in for Mullins and O'Hearn kind of filling in for Mountcastle, basically. But they've been in a little slump. Now, each of them did something positive in Sunday's game, which is good. Hicks had to enter the game for Austin Hayes after he left with injury in the second. Hicks had a one for three, had the big RBI single in the eighth to tie the game. Ryan O'Hearn also was not in the starting lineup. I think it was on purpose. Both of them weren't starting. He drew a two-out walk to load the bases that led to the Westberg hit-by-pitch as a pinch hitter in the eighth inning. So that was good, but Hicks was still one for six with two strikeouts on the weekend. O'Hearn was still 0 for seven with four strikeouts and a walk on the weekend. Not very productive for both of those guys. And in general lately, it's been a struggle for both of them. Aaron Hicks in his last eight games entering Sunday was two for 24. That's not good. Now, he did have five walks in that stretch, but it went with nine strikeouts. Ryan O'Hearn, very similar pace. His last seven games entering Sunday, two for 23 with zero walks. Luckily, he changed that on Sunday and six strikeouts and no extra base hits in that stretch. It had been kind of rough going for these two guys who had been so, so good. Now, the good thing for both of them, the good thing for Aaron Hicks is a big part of his production offensively, even when he was really struggling with the Yankees, is that his walk rate was still fairly high. He was still getting on base, and he still did walk five times in those eight games. That is good. The good thing for Ryan O'Hearn, his big thing, he has hit the ball harder than any Oriole this year. O'Hearn had a 62% hard hit rate in that amazing month of June. 62% of the balls he contacted were 95 miles per hour off the bat or more in terms of their exit velocity. Among his batted balls in this two for 23 stretch, still eight of 17 of them were hard hit balls. So 47% isn't as high, but that's still a really, really solid number. You will take that any day of the week, 47% hard hit rate. It's it's, it's honestly not just average, it's it's above average as well. Now he's making much less contact because he had six strikeouts in that stretch. But you can still see that he's still putting the pieces together. He's maybe just getting a little unlucky. And, you know, maybe they found a hole in the swing opposing pitchers have because he's striking out more than he did. So that's all to say that I'm not saying it's time to, like, bench O'Hearn and Hicks or DFA them or get rid of them. But what I am saying is you had to know, especially for Hicks, I I bought into the O'Hearn stuff much more, and I still do, that you couldn't rely on these guys for the rest of the season. They were stopgaps. Now, Do I think O'Hearn and Hicks could spend the rest of the year on the Orioles roster? I certainly do, because I think they're both helpful to this team, especially what they've shown the last month. But I think what this shows you is you can't be relying on these replacement players to lead your offense. It's got to be more from Gunner and Adley and Mullins and Hayes and Santander. It can't be O'Hearn and Hicks. It's awesome when you get a lot from O'Hearn and Hicks, right? 
I mean, they've been amazing. They've helped the O's so, so much. But if you rely on them too much, they are guys with not great track records offensively at the big leagues lately. And this is what's going to happen from time to time. Now, you hope this doesn't turn into an extended slump where they become unplayable. This is just a small slump now, you know, seven to eight games. That's nothing huge in a 162-game season. But with Mullins back, you know, you can play Hicks a little bit less. Ryan Mountcastle should be back fairly soon. Went four for five on Saturday in another rehab game in Norfolk. Hopefully he's getting better and better, and he will be back soon. So he's a guy maybe you can re-energize his bat into the lineup and split time with O'Hearn. And Colton Kowser is on the brink at this point. Mike Elias was on the broadcast on Saturday, and Elias was quoted saying, you know, that he said, yeah, I think Colton Kowser is ready to pick up the phone on his end. He just said it's just about the Orioles roster management at this point, which basically tells me we think Kowser is major league ready. We just need an opening on the roster or in the lineup to get him up here. I would just call him up maybe anyway and replace Ryan McKenna, but I get what they're saying. We will see. Either way, Kowser's ready. And Mountcastle could be ready if Hicks and O'Hearn aren't getting it done. I still believe in them. I think they could be helpful. But again, what this weekend showed you with those guys struggling is you can't rely on those replacement guys. Your big names got to come through, and they really didn't this weekend. Hopefully that changes in New York against the Yankees this week. But we got one more thing to get to to recap the weekend here on today's pod. Orioles did make a couple of separate roster moves over the weekend as well leading into these games. And wanted to talk about them a bit because they got two new relievers into the bullpen. And obviously the question becomes, are these the two guys that can fix this middle relief core? So the Orioles did drop two out of three to the Minnesota Twins over the weekend, but salvaged the series, salvaged it, avoided the sweep with a 2-1 to win on Sunday. Next up for the O's, remember, they don't have any days off this week until the All-Star break starts next Monday. They head to Yankee Stadium. Orioles and Yankees opening up a huge, and I mean huge, four-game series in the Bronx. Orioles currently have a three-and-a-half game lead on the Yankees, who are right now in the second wildcard spot in the American League. So this series could swing the wildcard standings in a big, big way. And game one is tonight, a 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start. And the O's are sending their ace out there. Tyler Wells will take the mound with his 3.21 ERA. Yankees at 46 and 37 on the season. They uh, they got a perfect game, a very imperfect perfect game. Uh, last week from Domingo Herman. Yankees playing the Cardinals over the weekend. And it is Domingo Herman coming off that perfect game. He will pitch against the Orioles at 7.05 on Monday night. Let's hope the O's turn him back into the pitcher. We know he is, which is not a guy who's throwing perfect games and not a good person either. So let's hope the O's can uh, clobber Herman in Monday's game. And you can listen to every pitch of game one between the Yankees and the Orioles of the hometown radio broadcast with the SXM app with SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. So I wanted to run through the roster moves from the O's weekend real quickly before we get you out of here. Again, as I mentioned at the top, I'm recording here. It's right about 3.30 Eastern time on Sunday afternoon. They have not announced the all-star rosters yet. They're going to announce them later here on Sunday. By the time you listen to this or watch this, you're going to know which Orioles are all-stars. Just know that I'm recording beforehand because of personal schedule here on the weekend. I will get to all the Orioles all-stars on Tuesday's episode I feel pretty confident it's going to be Adley and Felix. I think Cano and Hayes have a chance as well. We'll talk about who they are coming up on tomorrow's pod. But for now, talking roster moves here. 
It started with Friday, where the Orioles placed Keegan Aiken on the 15-day injured list with lower back issue. Now, it was talked about on Twitter that maybe the Orioles found a little lower back issue with Keegan Aiken with how bad he had been lately and the blow-up, the four-run, 10th inning, and the loss to the Reds on Wednesday. But either way, it got them a new reliever here. And that was Nick Vespi, who was recalled again for the Orioles this season. Now, he had already been up here before this year, but had not pitched in a game this time he got into a game, and Vespi's been very, very good at AAA once again. 26 in the third innings, 171 ERA, 24% strikeout rate to just an 8% walk rate. And he had allowed just one run in his previous 18 and a third innings in Norfolk before he got called up. And he had had about six days of rest, so he was fresh. And while he didn't pitch in, you know, a very high pressure, high leverage spot on Friday night, he really did help the Orioles bullpen in Friday's game after Dean Kramer gave him only three bad innings. Bruce Zimmerman gave him two. The Orioles turned it over to Nick Vespi in the fifth, trailing 8-0, and Vespi was awesome. He pitched three scoreless innings, allowed just three hits with three Ks and no walks. Now, he did throw 43 pitches, which knocked him out for the rest of the weekend, but it was a great first appearance of the year in the big leagues for Vespi, who... You know, had not pitched in the bigs yet this year. Three innings was the longest outing of his big league career. His Actually, his last outing at AAA had also been three innings, so he kind of showed that he could do it. But he got seven whiffs on 22 swings, including that curveball was unbelievable. Five whiffs on 11 swings on the curveball. The stuff looked really good. Now, I was a little worried after that that the Orioles would send Bruce Zimmerman and Nick Vespi down to AAA because they both threw a lot of pitches in Friday's game. Both threw enough pitches that was clearly going to keep them out from pitching for the rest of the weekend. I mean, they both threw 35-plus pitches. They both have options, and I thought they might option both these guys and get two fresh arms. Well, that's not what the Orioles did. They stuck with Vespi, which is nice to see, and it tells me he's going to sit in this bullpen for a little while and be a middle relief option. However, they did option Bruce Zimmerman. They really had to option one of these guys just to get an extra arm up here. Zimmerman was sent to AAA. But they needed to open a 40-man spot for the guy they were going to call up because nobody on the 40-man, none of the pitchers on the 40-man who were in AAA were ready to pitch. So they had to make a 40-man move. So Michael Givens was actually transferred to the 60-day injured list. When you go to the 60-day IL, it takes you off the 40-man roster for the time being. Now, I don't think it changes much about Givens' timeline. He still hasn't even started throwing again yet. He's been out for a month since he last returned and then went on the IL. So I don't think this will hinder him too, too much. I don't think it changes the plan. Brandon Hyde said earlier this week that Givens soon will go down to Sarasota to kind of start building up again. But the O's did call up Chris Valamont from AAA. Now, if you look at the ERA, you're thinking, why was Valamont the guy to join the bullpen? 5.02 ERA in AAA. 14 appearances, 8 starts in 57 and a third innings. Has a really good 26% strikeout rate. A little bit of an iffy 12% walk rate. Well, who is Chris Valamont? Well, he actually came over from the Twins last year, which was funny. The Orioles had five former Twins on their roster this weekend in this series. But he was with the Twins in AA. He was on the 40-man, but he was pitching poorly. So the Twins DFA'd him. The Orioles claimed him, put him in double-A. He pitched well in double-A last year, got to triple-A with the O's last year, but never quite made it to the bigs. Well, the O's were able to outright him off the 40-man, keep him in the organization, and he's been kind of up and down in triple-A this year. Valamont, it's a fastball about 92-94. He's got a really good changeup that he's revamped with the Orioles at about 85-86. That's now his go-to swing and miss and his go-to secondary pitch. When he came over from the Twins, he had great breaking balls. It's kind of a bigger curveball at 78. Then he's got that sweeping slider, kind of 80-81. And he does throw a cutter a little bit as well. 
So he's a five-pitch guy, mostly been a starter, but I think his future, if he does make it in the big leagues, is in relief. 26-year-old righty, though, hadn't pitched in seven days. That's probably why the Orioles called him up. He's mostly going to be here for long relief and for emergency situations if the O's need him in New York this week. He could be gone soon as well. But I will say, yeah, that ERA is rough at 5.02 for Valamont, but most of that is his last five appearances. The last five outings for Valamont in AAA, 20 innings and a 9.45 ERA. In his first nine outings of the season, in 37 and third innings, he had a 2.65 ERA with 44 strikeouts to just 18 walks. I think Valamont's got really good stuff. I think he could be a piece in the big leagues at some point out of the bullpen. And it would be nice to see if he does stick around this week, if he can pitch in one of these games at Yankee Stadium to kind of see what he can do. But maybe Valamont and Vespi can be two guys that kind of, you know, the two Vs come in. The flying V comes into the Orioles bullpen. Maybe, just maybe, helps them kind of get the middle relief under control a bit. But the Orioles do drop this series despite winning the game on Sunday. Next up, as I mentioned, are the Yankees. Four games set at Yankee Stadium starting tonight, and I'll be back on the podcast tomorrow recapping game one between the O's and the Yanks. Hopefully Aaron Hicks can do something awesome at Yankee Stadium against his old team. And then I'll also talk about who the Orioles All-Stars are, if there are any snubs, give you my reactions to the Orioles that make the All-Star team. That's coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team 